Hello, welcome to another episode of the Solution Focused Toolkit, uh, where we look at life through a solution focused lens every Monday morning. And uh, if you're in the people business, uh, perhaps social care, youth work, uh, social work, any of those kinds of um, careers, then this is the place for you. Um, we're here every Monday morning to remind you, you have got the greatest job in the world that is working with your client group and helping them to improve their lives. Uh, and here we look at, as usual, we look at life through the solution focused lens. And I wanted to talk, as promised this week, about uh, assumptions uh, in our work, in therapeutic work, but more importantly, in your work and your day-to-day -day role. Now, the dictionary definition of an assumption is a thing that is accepted as true or as certain to happen without proof. That is a thing that is accepted as true or as certain to happen without proof. So our assumptions about people or situations will colour the way we deal with them. Um, the assumptions we use for our clients work in exactly the same way. You know, in everyday life, we work with assumptions all the time. Let's, let's say uh, you assume that the police can't be trusted or they may be biased in some way. Well, when you have contact with them, your assumptions will direct how you respond and you may well be quite guarded or uncooperative. However, you might assume the police are honest servants of the people, in which case we would be open and very cooperative towards them when we um, engage. So in a similar way, we have to ensure that the assumptions we make about our clients are positive and helpful. That is before any client even enters your line of sight. Now, here's what I find most important about assumptions and something that we need to stress within our training. In our role, we may have hard evidence that the following assumptions are not true about any particular client, but this should never stop us working and talking to the client as if the assumptions are actual fact. And that is kind of really, really key to this part of the session. So, for example, a client telling a therapist um, that he's been drinking for as long as he can remember is, a, uh, is fairly good evidence that the client may not have the ability to change his or her behavior, certainly not very quickly. But only by continuing this conversation on that basis um, that he can change is there a possibility that change can happen? If we don't work on that assumption that the client can change, then our work is failing right there at the very beginning. And we're setting ourselves up on a, on a long, long road, particularly in a, in a therapeutic session. But the same in your kind of working model. It makes no difference. Now, this list of assumptions is, uh, is, is fairly long, and there are lots of them in the solution-focused literature. They probably will not match mine. Um, these are the ones I've found to be useful for me, not only in therapeutic practice, but in youth work and family work and all those kinds of things. Um, some, are, some are what you might call hardcore solution-focused assumptions, and then there are others which um, may have been stolen or borrowed or even made up by me. But I would love to hear your opinion on these. Um, one of them is uh, no one is perfect, therefore no one can be perfect at having a 
particular problem. Clear NLP. Uh, sorry, uh, clear solution focus one there. Now, obviously, footballers, athletes, poets, they strive for that perfect piece of work. And although some may come close, there's no way of achieving constant perfection. Now, this makes it safe to say that no human can be perfect at having a problem. Surely that's self-evident. So a person who's depressed can't be depressed all the time. Um, there must be times when they're not feeling as low as other times. An alcoholic cannot be a perfect alcoholic because there are times when they're not drinking as much. And these occasions when the client is not being perfect are the cracks in the problem that the therapist is seeking. And these are what we call exceptions. And sometimes they can be hard to find, but be assured they are there. Um, you know, in a mischievous way, a client once said they had been depressed all their lives, they're depressed constantly, 24 hours a day. Now, the only answer that uh, any kind of therapist can give is, well, how do you know you're depressed then? Um, you've never known anything else. This is your normal life. And it then became apparent that there are times when the client maybe didn't feel quite as depressed. And these are the exceptions that we're able to find. So some clients may uh, enter with their own assumptions that they have this perfect problem. And this should never be assumed to be the case. The next one um, is stolen, really, from uh, NLP. Um, action has to be taken to maintain a problem. No action is an action, you know, um, and, and, and it leads to a question, you know, what are you doing to maintain the problem you have? You have to be doing something or at the very least, maybe doing nothing is, is an action. So there you go. So if you have got a problem of any kind, this rule will tend to hold true, bearing in mind that, that a problem has to be ongoing. For example, losing your wallet is going to cause you a problem, but it's not an ongoing problem. Uh, so by the time you lose your wallet the third time in a month, then it starts to look like you've some kind of problem that needs dealing with. Um, so you could keep that ongoing problem or deal with it. And this can often be highlighted when you ask a client, you know, what could you do to ensure you keep this problem? Uh, another version is to ask the client how they could take over the problem for the day and they could have a day off. So um, if they're going to have a day off the problem um, and you're going to have the problem for them in this kind of weird scenario, then you might want to say to them, you know, I don't know how to have this problem. But I'm going to need you to talk me through at what point would I get angry during the course of the day? What sort of things would happen that would cause me upset, etc., etc.? So. Let's enter with the assumption that any problem needs some kind of maintenance, okay? And one of the rules of NLP is that if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Now, when you are working like our clients are um, with uh, in social work and youth work and those kinds of things, you start to see how these ongoing issues are maintained within your client group. So you'll be able to see that if you work with these assumptions, the things you say to your clients um, in developing your relationship and working with them um, will be slightly different. Now, here's a key one. Uh, the next one is the client is the expert of his or her own life or problem. Even in normal conversation, uh, the temptation is irresistible to provide answers or share advice when others have problems. 
it's just so easy to solve everyone else's problems. It's human nature. Uh, as I said many, many times, surely someone with a drink problem should just stop drinking or find another interest. But as we highlight in our training, these, these things are more complex than that, as we know. And complex problems don't always require complex solutions. Okay, so some of the training experience you took away, uh, if you've done our training, is your ability to guide your client to a solution. So instead, we're being kind of, we're, you know, we're being curious, we're probing, we're looking for hidden strengths that the client maybe didn't know they had and um, helping them to find their own coping strategies. However, as I've highlighted many times in this podcast, particularly uh, last week, you know, the minute we try and diagnose, the minute we try and offer the medicine, the solution to what's wrong, we are going up the wrong path with the client. So remember that always you have this assumption, the client is the expert, you are not the expert. So Again, taking this into a working environment, youth club, uh, you know, social workers' office, etc. Be the curious inquisitor. The expert is not you. The expert is your client, your family that you're working with, uh, the youth that you're working with, all those kinds of things. They're the experts of their own lives. So when you start to be curious, you start to see these questions that come up sometimes from the client themselves, to look at how their lives and how they are maintaining those problems. A really important one next, which is, of course, that everyone has the resources to make change. And again, just go back to what I said at the beginning about um, sometimes perhaps the depth and longevity of a problem tells us this clearly isn't true. We always will treat our clients as if they have the resources to make the changes. So you may be stretching your imagination with some clients to believe that they've got the resources to change after such a long, long time. But in order to make any progress, we've got to make the assumption that they have the resources. Now, if we do, what we find is that they start to see them and we speak to them differently. And that's the real, real key um, to um, this particular way of using assumptions. In the words of McWhirter, there is no need to know what the client thinks the problem is, although he might want to tell you. So we do have uh, an exercise within the training. We call it the silent witness. And this is one where we, we prove this point. There's no need to know what the client thinks the problem is. There's not even any need for the client to be involved and tell you what the problem is. Of course they will. And of course they'll talk to you. But it's just an exercise. So um, you may remember that exercise from the training and we kind of illustrate that point. Okay, next one. Um, when a client resists, we are not listening hard enough. When a client says there's been no positive change, he's really saying he cannot see it. Again, this is something where we start to uh, probe with the client. So let me take you back to the therapy room now. I'm working with a, a family. And uh, one of the first things I, I said to them in the second session was kind of, OK, what's been better for you as a family this week? And the mother said, well, nothing. I said, well, well. Do you want to talk about that? So she said, well, yeah, he, he stole 50 pence out of my purse um, on Thursday. 
So I said, oh, okay, that's uh, that's unfortunate. Um, but we, we met last um, last Friday. So um, what happened the day after then? Tell me about the day after. Oh, well, that was fine. That was fine. The day after he was great. I mean, the day after we'd been to see you, he did X, Y, and Z. So on and so on. Tell me about the next day. Tell me about the next day. And we broke down the week. There was lots and lots of positives in there. And it was really, really highlighted for me the power of this way of just deciding what we were going to look at. And that that incident wasn't a good incident that he stole that money, but it was never mentioned again. It was far outweighed by all the positive things we talked about. The next one is, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it isn't working, stop doing it. And if it works, do more of it. Very, very straightforward and simple. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it isn't working, stop doing it. And if it works, do more of it. So I remember a friend of mine had some really nice kind of silk flowers in a vase. And I, I remarked that they didn't really look real. And she said, yeah, they're too perfect. And, and she was right. They looked kind of false because they were perfect. And I thought, what a great analogy that is for people. You know, it's the flaws and the differences, the taste, the personalities that make our friends and our families and everybody we deal with um, difference. So let's not always put everything in the same pot, If we're, we're, particularly when I've dealt with families and stuff. It's very easy for them to put all the things in the same pot that don't belong there. So it's, it's interesting to be aware of this rule. You know, if it isn't broke, it's fine and it works. If it isn't working, then that's something you need to stop doing and stop banging your head against a wall from a therapeutic sense or a helping sense. And if it works, do more. If you find things that work, perhaps do more. Um, so here's one that I, uh, I think I've put this one in. I'm pretty sure I have. It's been within our training for so long. Um, and it's probably a really interesting assumption. It's not my problem. And it's that simple. It's not my problem. So when I work with social services, charitable organizations, I often do, this can be the hardest one to get over to people we are training. Um, by their very nature, they are in a caring profession and they have a genuine desire to help people. And so do I. And in time, I'm able to convince them that the best way to help someone is to completely uh, to be completely unemotionally involved. And if you can realize this, it will be of great benefit to you and enable you to contribute more professionally. Okay. Now, you've heard me tell stories, many, many stories um, about those times when, you know, I'm thinking of one in particular, you know, you, you see and feel the pain of your client group and you want to just put an arm around them and say, look, let's go and sort this out for you. Let's go and talk to your dad. Let's have a word with with your teachers. And yet that does not help your client because really you're just taking the, the problem off them. Now, this goes a level further with you and you being what we might call, you know, that more from the professional end, not the therapeutic end. You as professionals, as social workers, as youth workers, etc. This goes a stage further. And that is not only is it not your problem, but you do not need a problem. 
And I have to highlight this to many of the people we work with, whether that be in education and schools and things. To be a solution-focused worker, you do not need a problem. There is a huge positive aspect to working in a solution-focused way, to teaching in a solution-focused way. So don't look for a problem. You don't need one. It's almost like you don't need that ammunition to prove you're a solution-focused worker because solution-focused work doesn't need problems. And if there is a problem, it ain't yours. It's someone else's. So by not being emotionally involved to the problem, you are able to stand back and probe and be inquisitive and use all the tools that we've taught you in training to try and help make that client's life uh, better. So there you go. There's a series of assumptions. It's not exhaustive. There are many, many around. Um, those are the ones we tend to talk about in depth during our training. And these are our roadmap, our guide, a framework within which we work. And hopefully you can see that by working within these assumptions, you will treat and speak to all of your clients in a slightly different way. Now, as I say, the client need never provide any evidence that they are correct. And on some occasions, they'll do the opposite. But we stay firm in our assumptions regardless. And um, perhaps, you know, we sometimes talk about some of our own when we do the training sessions. We, 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 we re-look at our client group and we re-look at some of those assumptions for the people we work with. So that's it for this week. I hope it sparked some interest, particularly in your working life. Um, thanks for joining us. This is the Solution Focus Toolkit. My name is Michael Dawson from the Action Factory Training, uh, where we always are looking through uh, a solution-focused lens. Um, don't forget, if you'd like some notes and you'd like to catch up on um, anything I've said, you can subscribe uh, somewhere around this podcast. There'll be a little click. Go to the website and subscribe, and you'll receive uh, PDF notes shortly after the episodes or around about that time. Um, so having done a number of um, a number of these podcasts, it, it, it's, it's starting to become clear that there is so much I want to talk about, so interested and fascinated by this model, and yet there are questions that come in from, from you guys. So next week, I'm going to be looking at some of those questions and some of the questions that are commonly asked to therapists and we're going to look at how the answer to those questions apply to you in your working life as a solution focused worker it's really really interesting to see how there is a difference um in the way that you work and the way that a therapist works absolutely fascinating so don't forget to click and sign up subscribe all that kind of thing thanks for being there my name is michael dawson this has been the solution focused toolkit and we're back next Monday morning. Don't forget you've got the greatest job in the world. You are going out and helping your clients have better lives. Talk soon. Bye now.